Hi, this is Chris Stewart from Oasis Church in Athens, Ohio. Normally, this podcast is where we would post the teaching from the previous Sunday's message in our worship service that meets in the Athens Middle School. However, during this particular time in our nation's history, when everyone is doing their part to lessen the threat of the COVID-19 coronavirus, our church is also making sure that every member is physically distancing themselves from one another. And in order to do that, we're setting up Facebook Live church services from my living room, in fact. And what we're doing with this podcast during this time is pulling the audio from the sermons on those Facebook Live messages so that you can still have your weekly podcast feed if you like to listen to those separately. We don't know how long this will last, but as long as it does, we'll keep posting these And we hope that you enjoy them. We hope that you're fed and well-nourished while you're at home. And by all means, please reach out to us on Facebook or Twitter or send us an email at oasisathens at gmail.com. If there's anything that you need, if you have any questions, we want to continue to serve and minister to the needs of our community, even during a time where it makes it difficult to do that in person. May God bless you today, and we hope you enjoy this message from Oasis Church in Athens, Ohio. I want to read Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Paul says this to the Philippian church. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. I love that, intent on one purpose. And here it is. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, consider others as more important than yourself. Everyone should look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. You know, something that I've been uh, thinking about this past week, uh, really the past couple weeks, I don't know how, how many days have we been on. I'm losing my days. It's a good thing someone told me this was Sunday because I had no idea. I some, sometimes I don't know what day it is. But for however long we've been doing this, distancing ourselves from one another, is what, <laughs> what do we hope to accomplish? We just lost part of our window. Sorry, it's just that little frame thing that goes. So we'll figure that out later. Wind is blowing like crazy at our house, so. One of the things I've been thinking about here lately is, is the idea of what is it that we hope to accomplish whenever we preach a message in church, for example. Um, like if you come to a church service, what is it that we're hoping will happen when you, are, during the sermon part, during the actual, you know, during that interaction when you're hearing a message in a church service. And I know for me, as one who gives those messages, what I'm hoping will happen is this. I'm hoping that wisdom will be passed upon, you know, not just knowledge, but wisdom will be passed on to you, and that discernment will be something that you are gaining, that you're, that you're increasing in your life. 
and you'll receive that and then take it back home with you, take it back to wherever it is that you live and whatever it is that you do throughout the week when we're not together, when you're not listening to sermons, and it will it will basically influence and impact the way you live throughout the week. And one of the things that this COVID-19 quarantine, social distancing, whatever it is that you want to call it, has caused me to pause and consider is just how effective our model of church on Sunday really is. Or at least it's making me question, wonder. it's making me wonder, are we really attaining the desired outcome, the actual outcome that we desire when we preach a sermon, when we give a sermon? When I think of wisdom, I mean, I, you know, I should probably define what I mean by that. When I think of wisdom in a godly biblical sense, what I mean when I say wisdom is, is this, the ability for you, like for your, at the, at the very deep, the depths of your soul to be able to perceive things that glorify God, to be able to perceive and know things that exalt Christ, things that are initiated by the gospel of Christ and things that, 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 that actually cause you to help other people. That's one of the things that wisdom does is it causes you to help people. And it's how you live every single day using the knowledge that God gives us. So you have knowledge that's given to you, but it, it, we, want, we want to become wisdom. And I think that's what our goal is whenever we gather together as a church, whenever we hear a sermon. Wisdom is not just the ability to memorize a specific biblical rule or some kind of behavior that you should do throughout the week. That's not what wisdom is. Wisdom is needed, vitally needed, because so many of us have decisions that we make every single day that are not specifically regulated by rules or specific rules that you find in the Bible. Let me give you an ex- I, I mean, I'll give you a few examples of what I mean. Let's use the example of personal priorities. I think that's a good place. It's, that's a good place to. to to think about this. How do you decide to apply your personal priorities in in what you do like with the minutes of your day? Like how do, how do you set aside your your day? For example, eating and working, exercising, social media, sleeping, reading, entertainment, conversations, praying, whatever it is that, you know, whatever it is that throughout our day, we have personal discipline. We have a personal discipline. What I mean by that is that there are, there are ways that you decide to, to do those things. There are certain, there's a certain amount of time that you, that you decide to spend in those things, whether subconsciously or consciously, most of us subconsciously, we just, we just do it. And then we look back if unless we may not even look back unless someone points it out to us and says, Hey, how much time did you spend doing this? But there are no specific rules in the Bible that dictate for us the proportion of time that should go into those things that I just listed. Like the Bible doesn't say how much you should eat, how much you should sleep, how much you should have conversation, how much you should pray, how much you should spend time in entertainment. The Bible doesn't give us those kinds of things. So what is needed in order for us to know that each one of us, our church members, are doing well at personal priorities. That's just one example. How about the example of parenting? Some of you that are watching and listening, you have children at home and you're spending a lot of time with those children at home. 
and with a husband perhaps or with some with others that are that are helping to raise those children parenting is another aspect of life in which tremendous wisdom is needed i'd say 95% of the daily specific decisions that you face in parenting are not laid down for us in scripture we we don't have a, an actual chapter and verse answer that that you can give but we have to decide what to do, don't we? You have to decide. Parents don't have the luxury of postponing how you think your child should be raised. If you're a parent, you're deciding every minute of the day and every hour of the day how that is to be done. And you don't always have a verse to give you. You need something else for that. You need wisdom. A third example. What about politics? <laughs> Wait, what? Chris is going to talk about politics? Well, no, I'm not talking about political parties or how you should vote. What I'm talking about is, you know, actually, you know, the fact, the fact is each one of us every single day right now, we are inundated with the very essence of what politics is. You realize that? Because politics is policy, it's government, it's beliefs, it's principles for behavior. So let me ask you, has your life been affected by politics the last few weeks? Absolutely. You you, you will not get away from it. It it is. And the Bible does speak a little bit about it, but not a lot. How can we use wisdom when it comes to being so heavily influenced on a day-to-day basis by politics? What I mean here is how, how do you think about having, as a Christian, we know our citizenship is decisively in heaven. It's not decisively in America or in whatever country you might be tuning in from today. Although America might be where your body lives right now, how do you navigate both of those things? That you're partially in the kingdom of God and partially here on this earth. How do, how do you live on earth while your life is hidden with Christ, as Colossians 3 says? When you're an alien or an exile on this earth, as Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2, but yet you're called to submit to the powers that be in our government, which is what's written in Romans chapter 13, and to love your neighbor, as Jesus says in Matthew, and to go out and make a living, as Paul says in 1 Thessalonians, and to care for the earth, as Genesis 1 says. How can we live each day as people who are in this world, yet not really of the world, as Jesus says in John 17? That's what I mean by needing wisdom in politics. If the COVID-19 pandemic has, is a wake-up call for anything in this world, I think it's a call for church members to have extraordinary spiritual wisdom. Now, having said that, let's look at the wisdom that Paul gives us in Philippians chapter 2. We read over the first four verses, but really the thing that I want to point out, it it comes mostly from just verse four, Uh, because I think in verse four, Paul states it as plainly as it can possibly be stated. This is the heart of biblical church culture. This is the heart of, of Christian, what should be Christian culture. Philippians 2 verse 4 says this, Let each of you look not only to your own interests. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. The word interests here is interesting. If you look this up in the Greek, like so the original language that the Bible, the New Testament was written, is Greek. Kaylee, would you just shut that window right there, please? It's that window. It's causing that, it's causing a rattling in that, in that blind. That should help that. So, 
so if you look at the Bible um, in its original language, it, it wouldn't be the English language, of course. And so what we've had to do is, is throughout the years in history, people have had to translate the scripture from the original language to English. And so sometimes they will add words um, in order to make it make more sense. And sometimes they won't have the exact word that maybe uh, the, the actual meaning is in the original language. And so they just, they've done their best and we have, we have a really good, we have some really good translations of the scripture. But when you see the word interests in this verse, it's actually a filler word. The New Testament actually leaves this open-ended. The actual Greek language leaves it open-ended. So all that's specified in the original language is your own. So let each of you look not only to your own fill-in-the-blank, but also to the fill-in-the-blank of others, whatever that might be. Um, So it could be anything. It could be let each of you look not only to your own financial affairs, or your own property, or your own family, or your own health, or your own reputation, or your own education, or your own success, or your own happiness. Don't just think about those things, Paul is saying. Don't just have desires about your own fill in the blank, whatever it might be. Don't just strategize about all of that. Don't just work toward that. But but look to the financial affairs and property and family and health and reputation and education and success and happiness of others. Others. In other words, verse 4 is a way of saying the exact words that Jesus said when he said, love your neighbor as you love yourself in Matthew twenty two thirty nine. That is, make the good of others the focus of your own interests and your own strategy and your own work and the things that you do. Find your joy in making others joyful. How does this work for you, let's say this afternoon or tomorrow? Let's say you're watching television and someone in your home says, hey, would you play a game with me or would you go out and take a walk with me? What's Paul say? Don't just think about your own interests. Don't think about how tired you might be in that moment. But by some act of Christ-initiated, God-exalting will that you know is in you, put that person's interest before the pleasures of your own relaxation. That's what Paul is saying. That's how it becomes real to you. That's what it looks like to have the sermons that you hear on Sunday actually transform your life on a daily basis. You know, one of the key ways... Um, I think one of the one of the key things about this radical way of living that some I mean it's not really radical it's just a Christian way of living, but I think one of the keys to it is the second half of what verse three says in in this in this section. It says this: do nothing from selfish ambition. The ESV says uh, rivalry or conceit, um, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Consider others more significant than you. So the real point of this verse, I think, can be easy to miss, and so I really want to highlight it. The point is this, or the point is is not this. This is not the point. It's The point is not what others are, but the point is what you count others to be. That's the point. 
The focus is not, for example, on how well they do things or how good they might be at a certain skill or a character trait. The focus is, will you count them as worthy of your help and encouragement and your time and your service? Will you consider them as that, as worthy? Not whether they are or not. No one really is, but it's how you consider them. It's not, are they worthy, but will you count them as worthy? Will I serve my family? Will I take consideration of not just my own interests, but the interests of others? Will I encourage them and take time to help them and build them up? Will I stop whatever it is I want to do in order to show interest in them? That's, that's the key in, in that verse, which makes verse four that much more powerful. But there's really one more thing, one more point that I want to make from this section of verses, and it's the source of of what will cause you to live this way. Uh, and this, this way that I'm talking about is this others-oriented this others oriented, uh, commitment, a way of living, which is basically just really just, it's the Christian way of living. It's what, it's what a Christian should do. It's what we hope happens outside of those Sunday, uh, Sunday sermons. Verse three says this, in humility, consider others more significant than yourselves. So where does it come from? this thing called humility. Literally, humility means lowliness. Low, being low, lowliness. It's the opposite of what we would say entitlement is, the sense of entitlement. And entitlement has become a term that we use. I mean, I think here in recent years, entitlement's become one of those terms that we use to describe other people, but not ourselves. Like millennials are so entitled, and whoever millennials are, even millennials say that about Millennials, and they don't even they don't even know they're talking about themselves. We, but we all live with it. We all live with a sense of entitlement. At some point in all of our lives, it rears its ugly head. Entitlement is a sense of I am owed something. I am owed this either by you or by the world. You owe me, and humility is the opposite of you owe me. Paul once said in Romans chapter one verse fourteen. I am under obligation both to the Greeks and to barbarians, people that are not that, that are that are that are not from the way of life that he's used to at all, both to the wise and to the foolish. I am under obligation of all those people. In other words, he didn't look at them as though they owed him. He owed them. He owed them something. Why? I mean, why would a Christian walk through life? feeling a humble sense of that we that we owe a service to other people rather than them owing us they owe me something and the answer is this because Christ loved us and died for us and forgave us and accepted us and justified us and gave us eternal life and made us heirs with him as Paul is about to say in Philippians 2 when he owed us nothing he treated us as worthy, worthy of his service as he went to the cross, even when we were not worthy of his service. He considered not only his own interests, Paul says, but he considered our interests. He counted us as greater than himself. He actually said that. Who, who is greater? He said in Luke chapter 22, who is greater, the one who reclines at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at the table? But I am among you as the one who serves. And Jesus got down and washed the feet of his disciples. 
So I just want to say, in by by way of conclusion, and then we'll sing a couple songs together and and conclude our time here. This is where humility comes from. It comes from you coming to a place where you feel absolutely overwhelmed by God's grace. And when I say God's grace, I'm talking about the grace that comes to us by way of the cross and the work that he does on the cross, but also that moment by moment grace that he provides for us every single day and that promised grace of future eternal life with him. Because of this, Christians who are now in our homes doing our part to practicing to practice physical distancing, we are, I guess you can say we are obliged to humble service to others, to other people in our lives who are around us. And so let our identity be Philippians 2 verse 4. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. This is the mind or the mindset that will cause you to live with wisdom and discernment whenever you don't have a sermon to tell you what to do. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word that penetrates social distancing. Your word is powerful enough to penetrate social distancing. And I'm thankful that it's done that today. That a message that I could have just given here in my house to the handful of people that are living here during this time has actually been able to go out into other parts of the world and hopefully um, created a difference in uh, the homes of others out there, not by anything I have said or anything that I could do, no wisdom that I could come up with. That's not, that's not uh, where it came from, but that your Holy Spirit actually goes out with this, with this word. And you are the one that changes lives. You are the one that does that. And so I, I pray that, that, that today, God, you would change our mindset to have the mind of Christ, to look not only at the interests of our, of our own, of ourselves, but the interests of others, that we would set aside our own interests to help meet the interests of others. And we would find that in doing so, we have this thing called joy, which is so much deeper than happiness. Happiness comes from us trying to seek our own interests, but I think what everybody really wants in this world is joy. And joy only comes by looking to the interests of others and serving others. It's deeper than happiness. Lord, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.